Praise the Lord. You are listening to a word from the Lord, a radio and internet ministry of the Refuge Temple Church of Burlington, North Carolina. Refuge Temple Church is located in the heart of Burlington, NC at 152 North Main Street. Our pastor is Bishop Reginald J. Davis. Refuge Temple Church is a spirit-filled, Bible-believing, multicultural ministry ordained by Jesus Christ to serve him, his kingdom, and the community from Main Street to the world. We welcome you to join us now for anointed music and the word of God. When you arrive, would you say amen? All right. Psalm 51, 10. And let's read this together aloud, if you would. Join me, Psalm 51 and verse 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. God bless you. You can be seated. Once again, our subject today is, Lord, restore my joy. Lord, restore my joy. We started this message on last Sunday. We talked about joy and what it means to have joy, what it means to exist in a joyful place. And if you recall, last Sunday, I made the point that joy is inward but joy has to be expressed. A person with joy says something that's, that indicates they have joy. A person with joy does something that expresses that they have joy. But as with most things, it, it's important to know not only what it means to have joy, but to understand what can diminish our joy if you can find us there on the slide, what diminishes joy. We talked about three things, and we got to two of them, and so I want to hit the third one and then um, conclude this message. The first thing is circumstantial displacement. And what I mean by that is when circumstances put you in places you did not plan to be. Anybody find themselves sometimes in a place you didn't plan on? You didn't anticipate it, you didn't, um, it wasn't what you had worked for, it wasn't what you had envisioned for yourself, but you found yourself there anyway. And that's why the Bible says that a believer needs to count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. There's going to be some things that happen to you that you didn't plan for, but God says learn how to count it joy. Hallelujah. You're going to find yourself in some unexpected circumstances. You, you know, and, and I, I, I want to I, I say this because sometimes um, people are very critical of the difficulties and the failings and the sometimes tragedies of others. But if we would be really reflective, none of us plan to be in a negative place. Come on here, somebody. Most of us plan for our lives to be nothing but success, nothing but um, victory, nothing but overcoming. And it is sometimes a shock to your emotional system when you plan 
for one thing and you end up with something else. And, and what makes it worse are there are sometimes people that will judge you inappropriately and they will say, just like Bildad, Eliphaz, and Zophar said about Job, you must have done something to end up in that place. Come on, see somebody. Anybody had people that should have been consoling you, judge you, and say you must have done something or this would not have happened. And, 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 and sometimes we did do some things. If we would be honest, sometimes it was our choices that got us to where we are. And, and, but sometimes we had nothing to do with the circumstance, but the command of the scripture is to count it all joy. Because I'm of the opinion, and, and you don't have to agree with me, but I, but I think I'm right. I'm of the opinion that even if I'm in a place I didn't plan to be, if I can find a way to glorify God where I am, God will find a way to get me out. Okay, everybody didn't catch that. Hallelujah. I may not be where I want to be, but if I can find a way to glorify God right where I am, you can't. Sometimes you got to praise him in the unemployment line. Come on here, somebody. Sometimes you got to praise him in the welfare line. Sometimes you got to praise him in the waiting room of the emergency room. Sometimes you have to praise him while you're sitting outside the courthouse. But if I can find a way to praise him right where I am, God will find a way. Ishakanama will find a way to get me out. I wish somebody in here that was in a bad place would make the devil a lie and just open your mouth and shout hallelujah. Woo, God, hallelujah. Hey, God, this praise is not about where I am. It's where God's going to take me. Woo, shatanama. It's not about where I am. In fact, don't even judge my praise by where I am. I'm praising God for what he is about to do in my life. So then sometimes our joy diminishes because of the weariness of real life. And say what you wanna, but just living life can, can wear you out. Hallelujah, just trying to maintain, just trying to persevere, just trying to go through. That alone can be taxing on you, not only physically, but also emotionally and also spiritually. Hallelujah. Just, just going through stuff, just the work that you do, the family that you support, the ministry that you're engaged in, those things alone can work on you in such a way that it just drains you. And, 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 and the believer has to be, I think, particularly aware when they discover that their joy is draining away. Don't, just don't sit there and know that your joy is not what it used to be. And, and, and don't ascribe it to the fact that you got older. And don't, don't tell this lie that when I was young, I would praise the Lord. Well, some of y'all were dry when you were young. Come on, somebody. So this is just consistent with what you've always been. And, and even if you can't run as far as you used to run. Come on, somebody, because some of us could run around the church and we can't get down the aisle, and that's really okay because you can sit right where you are and you can lift your hands. You can open your mouth. Come on, somebody, I, I, because joy has to be expressed. 
Oh, hallelujah. Anybody got that kind of joy in you that you have to do something? Maybe I can't do what I used to do, but I'm going to do something so that, so that the joy that I have is expressed. But I can get weary in life to the point that my joy begins to diminish. And the way you overcome that is you discover that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Come on, somebody. That's my source of strength. And Satan wants to wear me out to the point that I give up my joy so he can, he can zero in for my final destruction. But I'm going to find a way, oh God, to rejoice. Come on, somebody. I'm going to find a way to lift him up. I'm going to find a way to exalt him. I'm going to find a way to open my mouth and say something. You know, they sung a song in the old church, if I couldn't say a word. Y'all remember that? Run out of words, but I'll just do this. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Got more tears than I got words, but I'll just wave. Shatama. I'll wave my hand, and that hand wave says, Lord, I lift you up despite what I'm dealing with right now. I exalt your name. The one I want to focus on today that diminishes joy is sin. Sin. Okay, y'all ain't got dead quiet. Because the choices that many of us make damage our relationship with the Lord. Some joy leaves us because of life, some joy leaves us because of circumstance, but there's a lot of us that lose our joy because of sin. Because I can't celebrate in a relationship that I've compromised. Let me say this again. If joy is attached to my relationship with God, how do I celebrate in a relationship I compromised? I compromised it. I made some choices that took me outside of the will of God. I know I'm not where I'm supposed to be. And the praise leader's telling me, praise him, praise him. And we haven't talked in a while. I've compromised my relationship because of sin. And that compromise has diminished my joy. Now, there are some people that are very good at faking it. Come on here, somebody. In fact, the, the, the worse they're living, the more they dance. And, and, and I've, I've seen that too. I'm, I mean, that ain't the context of the message, but I've seen folk that are living the most shab shabby, shoddy lives. And they're using their praise to cover up. And it's not, it's not fooling God. At best, it's fooling the saints without discernment. Come on, somebody. It, 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 it's, it's making them think everything is okay. They're all right. But the truth of the matter is I'm trying to cover up my sin with a praise. And you cannot cover up your sin with a praise. In fact, the Bible says when we worship without a clean heart, it stinks in the nostrils of God. When we try our best to gratify him by saying, Lord, I'm going to praise you. 
and I haven't dealt with my own issues, God is offended, in fact, by that form of worship. The psalmist of this 51st Psalm is, is David, and most of us know this, that this was David's confession, his praise to God after he had come to a place of repentance. And, and David is a prime example that you can love God and still get caught up in the wrong stuff. Somebody be honest in here. The, the fact that I sinned, yes, I should have loved God better than to sin, but you can't tell me because I sinned, I didn't love God. I love God, but I didn't love him enough to resist the temptation. See, I wish I was an honest church because some of y'all looking like he talking about somebody else, but he can't be talking about me. But you can love God and allow yourself to get caught up in some mess. Come on here, somebody. And so, so what happened to David? How did David find himself here? Because David, the Bible says, was described as a man after God's own heart. And that's a dual entendre. In other words, it has two meanings because on one side, David was chasing the heart of God. And on the other side, God chose David after his own heart. So what happens when people who love God and who are chosen by God Sin, what happens? It compromises everything about your relationship. How did David arrive at this terrible place? The Bible makes it very clear, and you study it in the book of, I believe it is 1 Samuel, 2 Samuel, that David was supposed to be um, at the battlefield. Israel had gone out to war. And for whatever reason, David didn't go to war, David stayed home. And, and, and I'm going to tell you this, and, and, and I, I mean this sincerely, that I think the saints, and I'm going to just say it, and y'all can get mad with me if you want, it's okay. The saints don't go to church enough. Okay, I got about seven of y'all that'll be honest. I'm going to say it again to make you even matter. The saints don't go to church enough. And, and, and the danger for not being in church is that you find other things to occupy your time. Now, let me be real blunt. Everybody that don't come to church ain't working. Or y'all would be millionaires. Come on, somebody. If every time you didn't come to church you were working, you'd be a millionaire by now. Everybody that don't come to church ain't in school. Or y'all all have PhDs by now. Come on here, somebody. Some of us are just doing other things other than being in the house of God. And the danger of that is that it compromises your relationship because some of us entertain ourselves with stuff that is not godly. Ooh, he preaching hard today. Yes, he preaching hard today. You are entertaining yourself with things that are ungodly. And in the course of that entertainment, you are opening the door to sin. Come on, somebody. This is not in the Bible, but it's the truth. I don't mind. Devil's workshop. And here is the reality. What you feed tends to be what thrives in your life. And the reality is that when we're not engaged in prayer, when we're not engaged in the word, when we're not engaged in Christian service, when we're not engaged in ministry, we are engaging in the satisfaction of our flesh. 
And how can I be what I need to be spiritually when I only feed my flesh once a week? And it better not take more than two hours once a week. But I feed my flesh every day. Now, I'm going to be real ugly. Some of y'all go to the gym more than y'all go to church. Every morning, we're hitting it in the gym. Working on a body that's going to the cemetery. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be healthy. But the buff bodies go to the grave. And the fat bodies go to the grave. Ain't no better grave for the fit than for the flabby. Come on, somebody. It's going to the, okay, y'all don't, don't want to be honest. Flabby folk going to the grave. Fat folk going to the grave. Skinny folk going to the grave. Malnourished folk going to the grave. Everybody sitting here, unless Jesus comes before long, that body is going to the grave. But how you invest your time in your spirit man determines the eternal part of you and where it goes. And if I have not invested myself in my spiritual development, I'm going to put a good-looking corpse in the ground and send a depraved spirit to hell. Oh, I'm preaching hard. Preach, preach, preach. David was out of place. He should have been on the battlefield, but he's walking around under rooftop. And when you're out of place, it creates a restless spirit. See, what the enemy, the enemy does not create sin. He just makes sure that whatever it is that you like happens to be available when you find yourself in a restless place. David is restless. He's up late one night walking around on the rooftop. And who happens to be bathing? Come on, somebody. On the rooftop but Bathsheba. Bathing on the rooftop. She bathing, he looking. The more she bathed, the more he looked. Okay, y'all don't want to be honest about this. And he entertained the possibility. Now, now, now I want to be very clear about this, that this was not a chance encounter. This was not an accident. The Bible says he inquired, who is this woman that I looked at bathing on the rooftop? And the answer was, she is Bathsheba, the wife, y'all ain't hearing nothing, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. She ain't engaged. She ain't courting. This woman is married to a soldier in your army. And David, you know, when, when, when you, and I need y'all to get this, when you let your flesh take over, it doesn't matter how much you've worshipped, your flesh starts dictating your choices. See, see, some of y'all struggle with this because y'all so deep. Y'all think, you know, because I'm in ministry, because I'm engaged in worship, it's impossible for me to fall. Folk fall as soon as they walk out of worship. Okay, y'all don't want to be honest. Why do they fall? Because they entertain the possibilities. So David entertains the possibility of Bathsheba, calls her to his house, sins with her. And like everybody else, does somebody say everybody else? After sin, we conceal. After sin, we conceal. Because we think if nobody knows about it, I got away with it. Come on, somebody. If nobody saw me, 
if I use my other Facebook accounts, come on somebody, and my other Instagram. You know, there, there, there's one social media for the saints, another social media for the other folk that you know in your life, and, and, and you make sure those two lives don't intersect. Two cell phones, come on somebody. Two, two email addresses, y'all ain't saying nothing. Because I can't let these worlds intersect as if to imply that the saints are the ones you need to be concerned about. Baby, you don't have to be concerned about the saints. You got to be concerned about the God that sees everything, knows every, okay, y'all don't, knows everything, that the day and the night are the both same to him. That's the one I need to be concerned about. Because David used all of his trickery, all of his intellect. He said, well, because a few days after he had been with um, Bathsheba, she comes back and says, I'm pregnant. David could have confessed then, but he calls Uriah in from the front and brings him to the palace, asks him to give him an update on the warfare and how things are going, and says, all right, good talking to you. Know you want to get home to your wife. Know you want to spend some time because you've been on the battlefield for a while. Assuming that Uriah will go home and sleep with Bathsheba. So, and back then they didn't have DNA testing, so he, he got away with it. He went home, she got pregnant, boom. Is his baby. But the Bible says Uriah was such a man of honor, integrity, that he didn't feel right going home to be with his wife, knowing his comrades were on the battlefield. So he spent the whole night sleeping at the door of David. Now let me help you understand something. You can hide your sin, but your sin will find a way to sleep at your door. I'm preaching hard now. You, you, you can cover it up. You can get a good alibi. You can get a good story. But your sin will go all the way to your house. Come on, somebody. And you, and you, because you did, you did it in Charlotte and not in Burlington. And the sin will just lay at your door. Just lay at the door. David gets up. And where is Uriah? At his door. So he says, I can't. Get this thing off my case, so I'll just kill Uriah. Sin has a way of making you do things you thought you would never do. Anybody want to be honest about that? You said in your mind, I'm going to do just this, and I'm not going to do anything else. But sin has a way of taking you over the edge. That's why your Bible says, don't even give place to the devil. That's why your Bible says, abstain from the very appearance of evil. You know why? Because if it looks wrong, in a little while, it's going to be wrong. It looks wrong. See, see, we used to blame the old church. They just think everything's a sin. They just think everybody trying to sin. Everybody ain't trying to sin. But the old church understood if you put your foot in it, the rest of you going to follow in a little while. Because some of us, you know, we put our, our big toe in the sin. Just my big toe. 
rest of me out of the water. But in a little while, the rest of you are going to follow yourself into it. So here's the psalmist, the king, the warrior, the man after God's heart, killing another man just so he can have his wife. And, but, but I want you to notice something about the love of God. Because it would have been very easy for God to turn his back on David. David, you sinned. You lusted. You committed adultery. And you murdered a man just so you could have his wife. David, I'm going to cut you off. But instead of God cutting David off, he exposed him to himself. Some of y'all don't want to admit this, but the best thing God did for you was getting you caught. Because had he left you alone, you would have died in your sins. But God made sure. Anybody, see, see, y'all don't want to tell the story. Anybody ever gotten in some mess, and while you were in the mess, you saw one of the saints? Come on, somebody. Coming out of somewhere you shouldn't have come out of, going into something you shouldn't have gone into, and as you're walking out, you meet somebody. And it's not just one of your peers. It's one of the oldest mothers in the saints. Baby, what you doing here? Come on, somebody. Because that's how God does it, because he doesn't want you to die and be lost. So, David thought he got away, thought he was completely exonerated. Nobody knows about it. He waited, gave her time to mourn, married her, and so everybody said, well, the king just got him a new wife. But the Lord spoke to a prophet. Oh, and let me help somebody in here. You might think you got away, but God knows. And before God is done, somebody else going to know because God is trying to save your life. Anybody know God had to expose you so he could deliver you? Had he kept you in the concealment, you would have died in your sin. But God made sure that he spoke to somebody. Hmm. Talks to Nathan. Nathan knew he couldn't just walk in and tell David, David, I know you slept with Bathsheba before y'all got married. I know you killed her husband because then Nathan would have put his life in jeopardy. So he goes to David and says, I want to tell you a story. There was a very wealthy man that had everything life had to offer. Very poor man that just had one little lamb. And he cherished the lamb. He loved the lamb. It was all he had was this lamb. And this wealthy man who could have had anything he wanted decides to take this lamb from this poor innocent man. David got all righteously indignant because one of the things that I'm always struck by is how we can be in sin and judge the sin of others. Anybody ever seen the irony of that? You are a liar, and you condemning all the homosexuals that you know. As if there is a homosexual hell and a liar's heaven. Come on, somebody. You are, you, you, you are a gossip, but you judge it, and you gossip about every fornicator that you know. Talking about everybody sleeping with, whoever they're sleeping with, knowing that you're going to go to hell with the people you're talking about. 
David gets so righteously indignant. He says, I want the name of the man. I'm going to make him restore and give restitution for what he's done. And Nathan looks up humbly at David, says, thou art the man. Oh, hallelujah. And he says, David, God made you king. And you could have had anything you wanted. But your lust has driven you to take this woman and to kill her husband. And now God is going to judge you for it. Oh, hallelujah. David does something that some of us have forgotten how to do. David repents. Shake somebody and say, you need to repent. Take a look with me. I'm almost done. Very first verse of Psalm 51. How do you go to a God that you know you offended and you have no excuse for your sin? Come on, somebody. David had no excuse for his sin. He had no reason to take Bathsheba. He had no reason to kill Uriah. So what do you say? And, 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 and this is a hard part for me because I, I wrestle with this. Because how do I, as a spirit-filled believer, go to a God that washed me in his blood, that delivered me out of my sin, that filled me with the Holy Ghost? What do I say to a God when I sin against that God? I got to say what David said. I have no excuse. So all I can say is have mercy. Oh, I, I need y'all to get this. The only thing that will deliver you is the mercy of God. You don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. You have no reason for God to do it. But because I know he loves me, I'm going to open my mouth and say, have mercy. We sincerely hope that you were blessed by this broadcast today. If you desire prayer or want more information about our church, please call us at 336 Five seven zero three six six four. Again, that's three three six five seven zero three six six four. You can also go to our website for more information about our ministry at www.refugetemplenc.com. Again, that's www.refugetemplenc.com. Pastor Reginald and Lady Charity Davis and the Refuge Temple family would like to invite you to worship with us whenever you are in the Burlington area. If this ministry has blessed you, please write to us at P.O. Box 3552, Burlington, N.C., 27215. That's P.O. Box 3552, Burlington, N.C., 27215. Or email us, info at refugetemplenc.com. That's info at refugetemplenc.com. God bless you, and until next time, shalom, shalom.